Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. In this episode, author and survivor Tiffany Johnson will highlight and further explore with me her story as told in her motivational memoir, Brave Enough Now. So Tiffany, I'm so happy to have you from the other side of the world. Yeah, before we begin, um, will you tell me a little bit about yourself? So as um, your listeners will hear, I am from Australia. I'm from Melbourne and it's winter here at the moment. It's freezing. It was minus two this morning. We had complete frost. Uh, so it's very different to what you're going through right now. I'm a mum of two. I have two teenagers, um, been married for 17 years this year. It's making me feel really old. <laughs> That's good. Cool, That's good. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I, I'm an author. I'm a podcast host. I'm a motivational speaker and I empower people to be their authentic self, to believe in themselves, to be brilliantly brave in everything that they do because I truly, truly believe that when you believe in yourself that magic comes your way and it spreads like wildfire for others to join in and a lot of us really struggle to really identify our authentic selves and it really is a magical experience when you can live your truth. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much. Um, so meeting you on Instagram has been such a cool experience for me. You are the first author to send me a book. And so I have just been so grateful for your kindness and your openness in wanting to do this with me. I'm an avid, avid reader. Um, and so finding you and finding this book has been really special for me. Um, your story is incredible. It's a, a story of courage, of self-discovery, of loss, of bravery. And even though it's something that I don't think many of us will experience in our lifetime, um, I feel like the resiliency in your story is really there for anyone who's ever gone through anything difficult um, and ever wondered, am I brave enough now, as you say in your book. Um, and one thing that I find so relatable about your story is that you start from someplace that I really related to. Um, and so I wanted to just start by doing kind of a fun little exercise. I'm going to compare and contrast our lives because we are contemporaries of each other. We come from very different backgrounds, but I felt when I read your book that we had so much the same. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you some questions and I'll answer them myself. So where were you born? I was born in Box Hill in Melbourne in Victoria in Australia. And what kind of town is it? Is it big, small, city, rural for people who aren't familiar with that area? Well, I'm not familiar with that area either because we only lived there for six months. Okay. <laughs> and then we moved to the country in New South Wales. Um, my father had got like a secondment type job when I was born and so then he, they went back to their home. Um, so where I actually grew up 
is um, rural New South Wales on a farm. We had Charolais cattle, which are big white cattle. They're actually from France. So well, obviously ours were Australian, but that's where I grew up with my family and my little brother. Okay. So I grew up at about the same time in Reno, Nevada, that is known in the United States as the world's biggest little city. Yeah. So very, very different from the countryside. Um, my family also moved when I was little. We didn't stay there very long, but we moved into Salt Lake City. So we just went from one city to another. So I was born and raised in the city. Okay, so now let's talk about siblings. What siblings do you have? I have one brother. He's seven years younger than me. Okay, and I have four sisters, and there are five of us in five years. <gasps> wow, <laughs> your parents were so busy and in love. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> So really, really different. Um, you talk in your book a lot about the struggles of growing up, um, of not really feeling like you sort of had found your place when you were young and found a place where you fit. Um, I had the same experience, but I unfortunately turned that into, into sort of a combative demeanor. So I was very feisty when I was a kid. Um, I was very, very feisty. And I get the feeling from your book that you were you were a little bit more easygoing. Is that, would you say that's yeah. accurate? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Probably so, wanting to play, people please, I think. I've, I'll tell you what's funny, though, is that I'm actually quite feisty now. <laughs> Age will do that to us. Yeah. <laughs> so starting from this contrast of us growing up on different sides of the planet, literally, um, mm -hmm very different families in very different settings. It was so interesting to me that when I started reading your book, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm reading about me. Because you start from this, this stage as a 21-year-old, frustrated and hurt and broken and not really knowing what direction you wanted to go with your life. And I feel like that is something that we all go through. Yeah, absolutely. And when I wrote the book, I really had that very strongly at the forefront of my mind because there's not, as you say, that many people that are going to ever go. And I pray that no one else has to ever go through the trauma that I went through. But I knew in my heart and in my soul that so many young people in those first steps into adulthood, we really struggle. And I don't think it's something that we often talk about is those moments in our in our life when we are trying to find where we fit in. And we kind of think, I, I, I sort of put it back down to, you know, the whole fairy tales. And this is one of my expectations of I'm going to go to college, or I'm going to get a husband or a wife, or I'm going to, you know, we sort of have this map of what our life is going to be like. And when we actually start those steps towards our adult life, it's often nothing like that whatsoever. And we learn so much that perhaps we haven't been prepared for. Such a difficult period of time where you know, you, you step outside of your parents' home for the first time and you're making your own decisions and you feel like you're, you're able until you make those first decisions. And then it's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, that's it. And I think as well, we do have to go through those because we do come through it. We get to the other side, but it is a really tricky time in our life. Yeah. Really trying. So if you could go back, um, and sit down with 21 year old Tiffany, what advice Retrospect is 2020. It's um, 
easy to look back and hard to look forward. So what advice would you give yourself? And do you feel like coming through every, all the struggles that you came through that you could give someone who is in the same place you were? To listen to your intuition, because I really believe that it holds you steady and it takes you on the path that you need to go. And as you read in the book, there were so many stop signs. There were so many times on that trip that even before I even got on the plane, when my intuition was telling me, stop, do not go any further. And that's something that I do now is that I always listen to my intuition. Do you think that what stopped you from doing that? Was it fear? Was it, what do you think it was that stopped you from following your intuition? The idea of if I follow my intuition, what is on the other side of that? Because I don't know. I couldn't work out. This is, this is the path that I'm headed down now. And I don't think I had the skills or the ability to quickly stop and change direction. I don't think I could do that at that point in time in my life. If I said I was turning right, I was going to turn right. Whereas now if I'm at a set of lights and my intuition says, don't turn right, you need to turn left, I turn left. You and can do it. that's the way we go. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. I love that. Um, so with everything that you were going through at 21 years old, did those earlier trials strengthen you in a way that maybe you wouldn't have had the strength? Yes, I think so. The moment in the canyon where I'm pushed up against that boulder and I literally see those snapshots of my life, that was an unbelievable moment and it went so slowly and yet I'm sure it actually was a very, very short period of time. I really chose in that moment to be the me that I knew I was deep down, that I really wanted to be. The me that I was in that moment when I was holding that snow the mount- on the mountain. Yes, the yes, and I love that moment. If you'll talk about that for just a minute, Tiffany has this great experience, and I think we all have glimmers of this at different points. I think we all have sort of these transcendent moments when we're in the midst of something beautiful or special, um, where, where questions we have become clear. Will you talk a little bit about that moment and, and sort of what happened and what it was like? That was an amazing moment and thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this because I do love this moment and to put it into perspective for your listeners, I'm from the country in Australia. We have floods, we have droughts, we had lots and lots of really hot weather. We did not have snow and it wasn't very far to go to the beach so I was more of a Pacific Ocean kind of girl or back in the country or you know swimming in a pool or a river or whatever. So I had never, ever been to the snow. It was a long way away to go to the snow. And when we were in Switzerland and I went up to that mountain, it's Jungfrau, which is the highest train station in the world. And there's a beautiful glacier there. And I was so overcome with the beauty that surrounded me by these mountains. And I just remember thinking, you know, these mountains have stood the test of time. They have withstood dinosaurs and blizzards and mankind and goodness knows what else. This is actually amazing. And I was really in that moment of wonder because it was the first time I'd seen snow. And I've actually got a fabulous photo of me like holding the snow going, ah, oh, so <laughs> and I just thought, you know, if you, if, if the earth can do this, and goodness, they must have seen so many things. You know, they would have experienced war. I was like imagining, you know, planes in wars and blizzards and, you know, crazy dinosaurs and all of this stuff. I thought if these mountains can still be here, well, then I can too. I may be a speck of sand on this earth, but if these mountains can still be standing, 
then I can still be standing too. And I really felt within my soul the first time in years since I'd been really little that I accepted all of myself. And that is what I was searching for. I just didn't know it at, you know, when I started on that journey. And so to come to that point of complete love and acceptance of myself, all of my faults, all the mistakes I'd made, the bad relationships, the bad choices, the drinking too much, the carrying on like ridiculous behaviour, to seeing my gifts and my talents, my wonder, my joy, my love that I had, and then just going, yes, this is me. It was the most pivotal, liberational, transformational moment being on that mountain. You know, when, when people come to these difficult moments in their lives, and I, like I said, I think we all have those great transcendent moments, um, you know, and, and you come into these difficult points and we have fight, we have flight, and then we have me and I freeze. I have a tendency to just freeze. I, I don't like hard things, um, but it's in doing those hard things and overcoming those hard things that we actually gain the strength to be able to overcome more hard things and become, as you say, who are meant to be. I always like to say with that too, is that we actually, my version on that is that we move through it because if we overcome it, it's sort of put behind us and it's not what's molded us. But when we move through the hard stuff, that is actually so building within ourselves of all the different aspects. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So after after you went through this tragedy, how did you find that again? Yeah, that was very difficult. That's the next book. <laughs> <laughs> teaser. Yeah, <laughs> teaser alert, teaser alert. Um, well, you know, when I first came home, I really... I felt like no one could ever really understand what I'd been through. And keeping in mind, I'd still kept the nature of the relationship beforehand completely to myself. I'd never told anybody about the true nature of what was going on. And I just basically went to sleep. I was in a lot of pain. I had a lot of injuries. And so I just thought no one can ever understand. And my mum and dad were getting really quite worried about me because I just wouldn't get out of bed. And then my mum made a life-changing phone call for me and also probably for her. And this is also talked about in the book with uh, a girl that I'd met overseas. It was the only person that I would talk about. And, yeah, Cassandra. And so Cassandra got on a plane and within you know a few hours from that phone call she was there on our family farm and it was knowing that I had somebody else not that my parents didn't love me or my family or my friends from home didn't love me they all loved me and I it wasn't that I didn't feel the love from them all the support from them but having somebody by my side that had seen what I'd been through in terms of being a part of that experience her experience was incredibly different to mine but just having that there was this was the starting step or starting point, those first steps towards recovery. And my recovery really then unfolded more so the following year. And I was living at home. I hadn't lived at home since I was 17. That was killing me living at home because I just was so used to being out on my own. And it's not that I didn't want to be near my mum and dad. I just <laughs> I didn't wasn't used to it. It was very different. I'd got a job and I'd met this guy who I thought was kind of nice and 
you know, I just want to see where that went. And he's actually my husband. And uh, I realized that I had serious PTSD. I was at work and I couldn't do things. I couldn't work out which way things would go. I would half do an email. I'd half send a fax. I'd make half a cup of tea. Like I would literally make half a cup of tea. I couldn't even fill the cup to the top. And I, I realized that there's something wrong. I am functioning, but I'm not 100% functioning. And I'd started drinking way too much again. And um, I'd been diagnosed with diabetes and that was just causing me so much chaos. Even though, like I've said, I'm never going to probably go through something like you did. I feel like I can still, I feel like your story still inspires me to be brave in my own ways. Yeah, that's wonderful because, you know, bravery doesn't have to be wearing medals and stars. You don't need to be a soldier in combat or someone who's survived going down a canyon in a flash flood because I don't actually think that the brave part of the story is in those moments. I think the bravery comes from sharing the vulnerability and the truth of who I really was in the darkness. Yeah. I think there are people out there who feel like they don't have a right to be brave because their story isn't tragic enough. There is no hierarchy of trauma. Trauma is trauma is trauma, and we all go through different experiences. And that was why I wrote the book in such an open and honest and raw, gut-wrenchingly raw to the point of I'm cringing just thinking about some of the stories that I said. But um, that's not people should never ever feel that they can't be brave because for some people just getting out of bed every morning is to be brave and so that's why I always say that when you really believe in yourself that's the first steps in being brave because I think there's so many societal norms put around us and there's expectations put on us and often we feel that we can't truly connect or truly show who we want to be or who we genuinely believe that we are and it's those steps towards your own authentic self is where the bravery comes in because every single person on this planet is deserving and every single person on this planet is unique and wonderful and needs to know that so that they can be happy with who they are it's so important One of my favourite books of all time, which was very controversial to a lot of my friends who were also reading the book, is Barkskins by Annie Prue. And um, I think I actually mentioned this on maybe one of your Instagram posts um, because it is such a huge, chunky book, (laughs) which took me a very long time to get through. But I just loved how it talks about history from the beginning of um, the English and the Dutch and the French as well coming over to the United States and Canada and how we treated people then. And I think that that's really relevant to it talks about how we treat the earth and how we treat the trees and as the main character, because it goes over centuries, the book, the main character really is the earth and the trees and the forest and nature. But I really loved so much learning through that and I'm sure she must have done so much research on that book. And how it sort of comes a bit full circle. And I kind of hope, well, I know that in my story, in my book, that I came full circle because I didn't end up going back home and what I had always felt 
that I was missing was just a piece of me that I needed to find within myself. No one else could ever do that for me. And I kind of hope as well in our world now that we're able to come to a place of kindness and peace and love within ourselves because when we have that within ourselves, we then can radiate out to others 